The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? When everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. For our 250th episode, Paul Bergman returns to continue his story by admitting that he was indeed a hateful person. But through a powerful awakening, his opinions changed about a great many subjects leading him to transforming his church by the unthinkable acts of putting women in leadership roles, welcoming folks from the LGBTQ community, as well as helping people directly and spreading love instead of hate. This is a great story. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli as we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. La, 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 la. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Episode 250, ladies and gentlemen. That's just grand. Who would have ever thought? I didn't think we'd get past four. Yes, indeed. We Trying managed. To wire that stupid computer together and make the microphones work. It was madness. And despite Duncan's flashlight story in episode one, Crushing us. we made it to 249 more. Incredible. Here we go. Uh, something I just funny to sort of mention. Mark Barron's 1500th episode was like this week. Mm-hmm. And I had thought about like 250... Do we need a retrospect or something like that? Like, but who's going to listen to 400 hours? <laughs> yeah. To- and it seemed like a lot. And um, he actually, he ended up with Paul Giamatti on mm-hmm. the episode. And he's just a delightful guy. And it was a great episode. And he said, why even bother making it special when I can just have a great regular one? Yep. And I feel we have stumbled into the same sort of awesomeness that Pastor Paul with us back again today to get into the real meaty stuff of what he's been up to. And... It's a perfect episode. I love that he's so damn honest about things. Like he's really very honest. He's not making. He's not the guy who's trying to make himself look better than what he is. He's who he is. He's very clear about his journey. He's oh, very yeah. clear about where he thinks he fucked up. Where the he damage thinks he's, I have done. Yeah, he says that. Where he says he thinks he's doing good. You know, it's like he's a guy who's just. Lays it on the table, is very, very upfront about who he is, what he stands for, what his journey has been, and you got to respect that. That's um, and plus, he's just a fun guy to be around. No, he's got great energy for yep, sure. Yeah, yeah. As uh, we get going, shall we give a few shout outs? We should indeed. Of course, always short design. You guys know the drill, check them out. We started last time, I'm gonna be giving them a shout out for the foreseeable future purestmushrooms.com mm. you know man it's actually I'm not even gonna have to hype in any way shape or form because you know how usually supple I don't know if that ap- happens to you but usually things that fall into the supplements stuff that's supposed to change yep. 
Sometimes I feel things, most of the time I don't. And so there are a bunch of times where like, try, take these. I'm like, I take it. And you're like, I feel no difference. No, no. worse, but no better either. It's hard to tell. Just happy it didn't affect my intestines. Yeah, occasionally <laughs> there's something, but most of the time I'm not, I don't know, maybe people are more sensitive or whatever the highlight. Or just hopeful. You know, in this Placebo. case, in this case, I've actually felt it big time with two things. So they have five kinds of mushrooms that they use for medicinal purposes. Mm -hmm. The two that I've gotten so far that hit me big were cordyceps, and hopefully we don't turn into the last of us, but... Um, as long as they're not for us. Cordyceps and turkey tail. Turkey and tail. both of them, yeah, turkey tail did wonders in my post-Mexico intestines. <laughs> he actually <laughs> helped a ton in that department. And uh, cordyceps, man, I don't know what it is, but my energy level is up. Now, I've also started uh, running a bit on a regular basis these days. So I don't know if that's actually helping. Maybe so. Maybe it's a mix of taking the mushroom and becoming more active in a cardio kind of way. But my energy level has been pretty freaking, like, unusually good to the point where I definitely noticed it. So I'm like, okay, I am excited about this. Oh, my. Yeah. So we'll have to get some of that for Ethan. He he had the COVID last week, so yeah, that sucks. His so, energy I mean, is way down. Check it them out. I really so far I really like them. I gave them to my buddy Mark Chang, who was a former guest of ours. Yeah. He was enthusiastic about them. So I'm like, let's go, let's try. So if you guys want to check them out, they are at purestmushrooms.com. And I'm gonna put a link in the episode notes. Use the code History on Fire, and uh, I. Yeah, this is no bullshit. I really like them. So check them out. You get, uh, I think it's a 10% discount on single packages. The big, like, five-package thing is already discounted, but um, check them out. And uh, and as usual, I want to give a shout-out also to Dakota Pure Bison for their um, code HOF10 at Dakota Pure Bison. If you are in the market for bison-based sna snacks, uh, burgers, steaks, all of the above... They are fantastic. I really like them. They taste good. They are raised with no hormones, antibiotics, things like that. So I like those guys. Uh, the usual uh, uh, Matera wines just sent me some wines. So that was deeply appreciated. And then let's give a shout out to our supporters. This is my favorite part. Let the pottering begin. That would be Mr. Stephen McKee, Daniel Fischel, Jonathan Waterloo, Paul Donato, Stephen Notariani, Ryan Merklin, Keegan Walsh, Nick Zunick, Justin Howell, Aistis Juska, Nicola Togni, Joseph Lord, Samuele Rudelli, Andre Garapetian, Eden Carrio, Chris Treshbal, GlobalHobos.com, and Stephen Rados. Heroes, everyone. Yep, you guys are awesome. Thanks so much for supporting us because you're you know, in case you didn't get it, like the shout outs are not sponsored in a traditional sense. We really get no money from them. So you guys are literally the only thing that keeps the light on. And we very much appreciate it. You want to join this brave band of heroes? You can always PayPal me through paypal.me forward slash dbolelli, D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I, or using my email, which by now I think it's in every other episode notes or something. So you can always reach out and... Uh, <laughs> B-O-D-H-I-1974 uh, at yahoo.com. Yes, I still have a Yahoo account. Don't laugh at me. This is not AOL. Yeah, but uh, yeah, follow me on MySpace. <laughs> 
Uh, anything else we need to touch base before we get going? I just want to mention one more time, Kiva.org. Incredible what's gone on out there over the past 12 years. It really is sort of a grand success. Yes, indeed. Oh, and before we go, I want to give a shout out to a podcast. I'm going to let you, uh, or rather, I'm going to let them tell you about themselves. So right before the episode, here we go. Most people aren't interested in just one topic. Don't settle for a podcast about just one subject. That rhymed. Greetings. We're technically a conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. On our podcast, we do things just a little bit different. Every week, we share a new topic, and the other hosts have no idea what the topic will be. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. We've covered everything from true crime, historical events and people, the supernatural and the occult. I like that. Urban legends and folklore. My favorite. No matter what we cover, we try to make the episodes interesting and funny. Eh, eh, eh. Don't mean to be the bad guy, but our lawyer said we legally couldn't call our show funny. We have a lawyer? Let me tell you what I told our lawyer. Come here so I can show you how far I can legally stick my high-heeled boot up your... Check us out at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Technically a conversation. We're like a lifestyle brand. Yeah. We had too much fun the first time with Mr. Paul Bergman visiting us, and so he's back for more. Because we felt like last time we were just about to hit a new topic of conversation that was not going to be something we would wrap up in five minutes, deserve its own uh, lengthy discussion. So here we are, lengthy discussion. Paul, welcome again. Oh, it's good to be here. This backyard right now is surreal. I'm looking at January, the sun's coming through. This is awesome. There are kind worse December's into January. This is this is sure. really kind of heavenly, yeah. So yeah, no, glad, this is a beautiful place. Glad, glad I to be here, honored that. to be here, and looking forward to talking about this part because it's a it's an interesting one. I think. Yeah, and I would say it's uh, just a tiny bit relevant to the story of your life. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, so yeah, where yeah. we finished off last time, just to remind everybody, you are going into a whole discussion of your life, I guess. For lack of a better term, one could define it as your religious life, but that's really like your way of life, your way of looking at the world, your perception. Of, how did you, like you mentioned briefly last time, and I think that's roughly where we stop, how you got into organized religion and then how you eventually got out and where you're at now. So sure. let's do and, that. And journey. I want to preface saying for anybody that's listening that this is, you know, this is just my journey and my experience and um, everybody has their own, and, and in no way, shape, or form am I trying to demean or put down another person's experience, uh, but I am sharing honestly what was my experience as I understood it, and uh, as it evolved, and as I look back at it, and, and, and analyze who I was, who I became, uh, and then who I am today, and, and, it's a, it, it, and I think it's an interesting journey and relevant uh, uh, to our times today. It's certainly not unique in so much that uh, I've met a lot of other people who've had similar experiences in their religious journey, particularly 
in uh, Christendom, particularly in and or through evangelical Christendom, uh, which was my experience, and in and out, uh, a deconstruction of it. Uh, uh, but when you're going through it, you feel very much alone, and that was a that was a that was a radical experience. And, well, but uh, there's something that you said right off the bat that I think is like it would be easy to for people to go like just gliss over, but I think it's an important thing that you bring up right away when you mention this is my experience, which I think is ultimately the most honest thing anybody can do. You know, when you're talking about uh, any big philosophical, religious, ideological kind of concept, there's the tendency for people to take their experience and impose it as the ultimate truth on everybody. And what you're saying is like, hey, man, this is my experience. This is true to me based on how I've lived, based on right there. There's the acknowledgement that there's more than one there's more than one way to get to truths right. and that some the ex- truth in one person experience may not match what's absolutely right for somebody else yeah and i think that's a key thing because so often whether religiously or politically or in any other way there's the tendency to think that there's one size fit all that there's one right way and all others oh and i was all be. in on that exactly. I, was, I had that experience absolutely so i think <laughs> you know before you even got into it you threw it in there in a yeah. way that makes sense me you know yeah um so do tell you how did you get into it yeah well so we we talked about my life last time and football was a big part of that Mm -hmm. and i grew up in in a wonderful home uh my dad was uh fair to say an agnostic uh but had roots in the eastern religions and i grew up with him talking about buddhism and Mm -hmm. confucianism and uh the code of Bushido, which was really huge to him, he had a, a fascination with the Japanese culture. My mom was uh, was re- reared in Catholicism. Her mom, her mom was a Catholic. Her mom and dad were divorced, and he she lived with her dad. Her dad was more of just a spiritual mm-hmm. man. Uh, they came from the Dutch East Indies, so there was this mix of Catholicism that she was exposed to and Dutch Reformed. Uh, uh, theology, but she wasn't into it at all. Mm-hmm. And my mom, in in the purest sense, had a very simple religion of love. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I grew up with. She just was love. And she had a love for Jesus. From what she saw and understood of Jesus, Jesus yeah. was about love, loving mm-hmm. your neighbor as yourself, about grace, forgiveness, kindness, generosity, hospitality. And she was all those things. So really an am- amazing woman. And I kind of grew up with that. Um, and so I was, I never went to church as a kid, was never religiously trained, but I had an interest in, uh, 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 I was, I was drawn to it like a moth to the flame. Certainly when I would see, uh, movies, I love film. Film mm-hmm. is what I love today. I love, I love everything about film and movies and storytelling and, and the movies growing up as a kid in the sixties of Jesus, uh, uh, of Nazareth, the greatest story ever told King of Kings, all these, these movies I would watch and I, and I was drawn to it. It was the sixties after yeah, all, right? Yeah. I have a 10 years, a sister I'm still so close with 10 years older than me going through the sixties. So there was a lot of that connection of Jesus was kind of like this hippie love, mm-hmm. make, make love, not war peace. And those things resonated with me as a young kid in the sixties, uh, with a, with a teenage sister that I was close to and her friends. And I, I saw that in, in Jesus and I saw how he spoke out to the powers. Mm-hmm. He, 
that he was there for the oppressed, uh, and but he was calling out the oppressors, whether they be religiously his own people uh, uh, in, 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 in Judaism or whether they be the political ones of the, of the Roman Empire. And it wasn't, it wasn't a rocket science to me that he had this revolution of love, and ultimately he got murdered for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was like, oh. Usually and, and of course, I'm, and I'm growing up, you know, with assassinations and Robert Kennedy and MLK, and yeah. I'm like, oh, so these people that are, that actually really happens, you know, Gandhi, and yeah. you, you, you speak out this this revolution of love and equality and harmony, and uh, you get shot for it, or you get you get murdered for it. And so I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense that Jesus Jesus died that way. Didn't Gandhi say, "I like I like your Jesus, your Christians"? However, yeah, yeah, he said, "If you were more like your Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you know, I could probably have a relationship, you know, that would be intimate with you." But but they're not, and that I think is the crux of what what I went through. So I, I grew up, you know, sometimes I go to church with friends or something at, at Easter, or I remember going to the. I, I did love that. We had a tradition of going with another family to the Easter sunrise uh, at the Hollywood Bowl. I always thought that was oh. a great event. It was a cool event, you know, and and uh, I just there was something about that, and I loved Christmas. There was everything about Christmas I loved, and uh, and for me, like the Charlie Brown Christmas, even in the '60s, Charlie Brown and you know Linus talking about the Christmas story, it resonated with me. But uh, but I was you know I was into nature. I was into the outdoors. Astronomy was a big part of my life. Uh, the, the the woods, the forest, camping. Uh, that was that was uh, speaking of God to me as well, but I didn't didn't go to church, and uh, I didn't start going to church until the end of my NFL career. Okay. And interesting, as we were talking last time, there was a, like a paramilitary uh, brotherhood yep. in you know in in the NFL, mm-hmm. and when your but when your career ends, unlike a lot of other sports. Uh, that brotherhood kind of breaks up. In other yeah. words, we don't grab pads and say, "Meet me at the park on Saturday," right? But you right. can play softball and <laughs> yeah. you can play tennis and basketball. Football, and not so much. Football, yeah. not so much. And and I have noticed that as a as an, an interesting observation amongst football players that a lot of times when their careers come to the end, mm-hmm. they kind of they are like lost. Yeah, completely. They they really are. And, I mean, when uh, you think about it, it's kind of yeah. of course it's a different thing altogether, but. With the right proportion, when you think about people who, have, uh, who go to war, who are in the military, you are surrounded by friends all day long. You know, whether you like them or not, they will end up becoming your friends because they are all you have all around you constantly. Uh, you are bonded by like some strong, intense experiences. And then one day you get your papers and you're like, okay, thank you for your service. And you're off on your own by yourself after you spend pretty much every minute of every day for years in the company of a tribe, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And that trans- Eight or 10 years before you even get to the pros. Yeah, and, and that transition, yeah. you know, whether you're part of a sport team and, you know, not like, again, uh, the Sunday League or something, you do it for real, like you're a professional, so that's your whole life. Whether you are in the military, whether you are in any of these experiences where you are part of a tight-knit community with a purpose, you know, there's a sense of purpose and there's a community. And suddenly all that is gone. There's no purpose at that point and there's no community. You have to reinvent all of that and you're reinventing it by yourself. You're essentially alone. Absolutely. That's a weird thing. Oh, it's devastating. Uh, I, I think back. So I've been in ministry, I was in ministry full time for uh, 30, 33 years. Yeah. Right? 23 years as a senior pastor here in Ohio, 10 years before that with another ministry. I say all that. 
uh, because in my 23 years here as a, as a pastor, I, I did a lot of counseling with a, a lot of veterans that came mm-hmm. back from, uh, particularly early on in Iraq, sure. and and did their tours there. And uh, it was incredible to see uh, the collapse of identity that so many had in trying to become a civilian again yeah. after having this Why brotherhood. Go back over yeah. and over and oh, over Oh, no, again. it's it's just, it, it it's literally a, a, a collapse of identity. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the time, it was a State of the Union speech, and Barack introduced somebody who was on his 10th tour and Jesus. was just a mangled leftover at that point. It was just and like, that's what I saw. Yeah. I saw a lot of mangled leftovers. And, well, it's because they all did it over and over again. Nobody else, it's like only one and a half percent of the, of the nation was actually directly being exposed to getting themselves killed for this insanity. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so let them do it. So they come back disillusioned, and, and, and that actually fits into another part of my story, because that, in, in my religious tradition, that also happened to me. Uh, but so coming out, uh, you could say, uh, you know, I started going to uh, chapel services on Sundays mm-hmm. in the NFL, right? Because yeah. you don't go to church. Yeah, yeah. But I had this internal thing. I got married. My wonderful wife, Kathy. Uh, we're together. I'm a married man now, and I'm starting I'm playing football. But I had this inkling of like, I, th- I should go to church, but I, I couldn't really do that. Mm-hmm. And with football, you're you're living in different places, and you're being traded. So there's mm-hmm. no sense of that but when when it ended i felt like god i'd really like to go to church so we joined a church right and it was a uh, it was a community church and but i did not know that it was really a very uh fundamentalist evangelical church right. i had no idea even really what that was right. right and in this case if people are theologically uh, aware it was a it was a calvinistic five point uh, reformed theological church didn't know any of that but when i went in people were great yeah and like i said there's a lot of great people sure and, of course. and when you're when you're kind of drifting as i was mm-hmm. i found a community yep and very quickly my attributes as you know a team captain of as course a, as a leader as a and and a I felt that sense of camaraderie again, yep, yep. and I began to go into the Bible studies and I began to eat that stuff up. You're not the shyest person I've ever met. <laughs> no, I mean, so it's a part of my personality, right. right? And this was something I could do. And it's actually pretty easy to do because you, uh, this is one of some of the things that I don't want to be hurtful to people, but when you go into it, when you can get your education in Christendom and fundamental Christendom spoon-fed to you right it's it's and and actually environment is very anti uh education mm-hmm. right so i had this great ucla education you know but that was like punted yeah yeah and pretty soon you know, as it. i as i swallowed up into this thing of uh of cultic thinking and this is not a slam to say cult i don't want everybody to think when i use the word Sharp. cult that i'm thinking of like charles manson mm-hmm. every time or <laughs> david koresh no but cultic thinking is is a way of a group thinking right it's a group agreement upon these things and it makes perfect sense to me because you're trying to navigate the world you're looking for community yep. identity yep. you're looking for like give me the roadmap you know mm-hmm. what's what's right what's wrong what's left what's right what's up what's down and and religion does a great job of that and particularly in the stream that I was in in fundamental christianity uh, it was very easy to understand the fundamentals mm-hmm. i mean every church that you go to in that framework basically says here's what we teach and believe yeah you nail those things down yeah and, you're, you're, yeah, yeah. and you're and if, and if you're you know 
really enthusiastic about it, yeah. you can become a leader. Of course, it's easy yeah. to do that. Yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't, and and the and the training is very narrow. So you know, you're going to be doing the fundamentalist Moody Bible Institute. Yep. And but you're like, yeah, but don't read the guys from Princeton or <laughs> Yale or yeah. or Harvard Theological Seminary because they're all of the devil, and it becomes very black and white. So I got sucked in, and you know, and pretty soon I'm I'm punting out everything I used to to learn about astronomy and the age of the universe and now the earth is 6,000 years years old old. and literally I I fell in head over heels. Do you think it's really kind of like I think in like and again, we use the word cult in a certain way, but like in the cultish thing, they refer to it as like love bombing, the idea that, you know, when you are, when you start being brought inside the group, everybody shower you with a ton of love Absolutely. that makes you, now you're invested in this yes. thing. Now you don't want to give it up because it's like, it's your identity, it's your friends, it's your community, it's your meaning, essentially. It becomes like a huge element of your meaning in life. It becomes who you are. Exactly. And, and, that, so, and, that's an, and that identity, and, and then, you know, certain types like myself, you know, have that zeal. Uh, maybe you, you have the, I was a sports figure, and yeah. I could speak publicly, and I could be, very quickly put up for what we call our your testimony, yep. right? So then you become become like a figure, and of you course. become like a speaking circuit. Like you want to hear this guy's testimony. Everybody pats yeah, you on the and back, then the next and thing, you know, this is like a drug. And like yeah, yeah, man, and I dopamines got Jesus. are kicking left yeah, and right. And you're throwing and you're, that stuff out, and people are going, "Yeah, look at that! The All American right. just said that." You know, <laughs> yeah. And you're speaking at breakfast things, and so I, I started doing that, and then I was invited into a ministry, and I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but I was there for ten years. It was a very fundamentalist. ministry ministry and I was good at it man and I was right. I was uh, I had crowds foaming at the mouth and and uh and like evangelicalism today American evangelicalism evangelicalism it, it's it's married and, and intertwined and meshed with politics yep. right so I slid you know hard to the right yep. um Whereas I was otherwise pretty much right down the middle of the road, whatever right. makes sense, what, using logic and listening yep. to both sides, I could change my want, mind if somebody made a compelling argument. That could, yeah. but now you just, of course, you, you just you just go to the solid right. So it was uh, abortion issues, uh, uh, education. Uh, homosexuality, and I would be going to Washington, D.C. and speaking to legislators as a sports figure, a la now uh, evangelist and and uh, domestic missionary, uh, talking about all the evils of, of these things. And I have these people frothing at their mouth. Of course. You know? And it was, it was intoxicating, and it was powerful, and I was meeting powerful people and became a keynote speaker, and uh, and, and and I found myself, I really did, uh, uh, in, until somebody called bullshit. And, and that was really interesting because it was in my ministry. Uh, I had a gentleman who I really loved uh, and, and his wife, older couple, they were kind of like grandparents to us. And, and, uh, and he was always a nail that was popping up. You know, he was always kind of contrary to our fundamental thinking. But what about... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and he wasn't necessarily popular, but he had bank. Yeah. So they kept him in. Of you course, know? Yeah, of course. He's supporting the ministry, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he gave me a book uh, uh, by an author called Brennan Manning that was called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Simply put, uh, Brennan Manning was a defrocked priest, a brilliant theologian, uh, and, and steeped in academic Catholicism, uh, but had an experience where he had to 
really look hard at himself and what he was really doing and realize that he was off the path and into the deep weeds and that he'd missed the plot. You know, he couldn't see the, the forest or the trees. And he rediscovers Jesus. And uh, and in this book, he explains that. And, and, and funny enough, the Jesus that I actually came to love in the 60s, that, that maverick peasant rabbi speaking about this revolution of love wasn't to be found anywhere in the church. Of course. You know, it was all about the Bible, 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 Bible. The Bible is inerrant, infallible, authoritative, all these things. So the Bible became really what was worshipped. Mm-hmm. The Bible was really God, the black and white pages, right? Uh, and that's what I got really good at because that's here's a new medium. I, sure. All I can do is I can hear it says this in this commentary, this com- this is it. Moody Bible says this, this is what. And I was good at regurgitating that. Yep. Uh, and so I got ordained and I became a, you know, a speaker, an evangelist, traveled across the country uh, doing untold damage that I still think about like, my goodness, what I spewed out. But it was all I knew. It was sure. my experience at that time. And that's what I did. And then I read this book. And, and, uh, and I'm cutting through it quite quickly, but that began, something broke in me when I read this book. And, and I, I realized that that Jesus that I really did think like, that dude's on to something, uh-huh. right? Yeah. That's something worth listening and following. Um, I realized it wasn't in the church. And then I started to find it outside of the church. What and year was that around? This then? was, let me see, I started uh, in ministry in about 88. So it was, I, was, I was there from 88 to 98. And it was at least a solid halfway through, maybe six, seven years, maybe six, seven years into that 10 year. I was with this one ministry yeah. for 10 years. That I first that I started questioning, yeah, and then I started to read outside the circles. I was also heavily influenced by we had an outreach that we called it to uh, Catholics because mm-hmm. they were all going to hell. Like I think I said that before, and, and <laughs> right. the Pope was you know the Antichrist of and the Church of uh, the Catholic Church was the great whore of Babylon and all this stuff. We were super con- fundamentalist, and so we're going to try to save Catholic. Uh, uh, Catholic people starting with their kids by doing these touring speaking at Catholic schools where we got in as you know using my professional uh, ex- uh, professional background as a football player and everything to speak to kids about uh, faith in Jesus and all these things but to us we were giving them the real Jesus because they had the wrong Jesus and of course that's the way I was I, mean, my, I told you about my mom the most amazing woman ever right yeah. well she's going to hell now Right, so my mom's going to hell. My dad's going to hell because um, he's an agnostic. My mom's going to hell because she doesn't believe in the right yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and you know, yeah. you know, you got the lovey-dovey Jesus, and but that's not really the way it is. Um, it, which is just, I understand how people can get behind the controls of a jet and flight into a building in their zeal for what they believe is true and right. Yeah, yeah. you start pounding your chest. Yeah, yeah, I get that. You know, well, it's amazing the similarity of what Iran went through in the seventies. I yes. mean, those folks. This was a pretty modern society. It was a very modern. So it can happen here. Yeah, it happened, and fast. it is happening. Man, shit, here. I think it is happening. Yeah. here quite frankly, very much. So and it, it ties into this, this story of, of of mine, and and so I I I I, I just was like, wow, you know, this is where I was at, and but I was starting to question, and mm-hmm. I started to read more outside. Uh, and then about that time, I came in touch with the church here that I've been at for 23 years, and our intersection was a... was. Uh, was perfect for all for the right and wrong reasons. Um, I was definitely evolving and going into a different direction. This was a very fundamentalist church. 
that was very nationalistic. The former pastor was military. Lots of flags, God, country, God, guns and guts, you know, and and Jesus really was on the back burner, but the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And, uh, but they were looking to maybe move, move the cheese out of there. And they met me and they were like, that's the guy, right? And I had no interest at all. Never thought I was going to be a pastor. Sure. But like I said, it's very easy. Of course, it's not. It's not hard to to in religious circles to get yourself promoted pretty quick. Yeah, brunch is pretty great too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean you can you know the mega church Baptist pastor. You're like not that hard to do. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, are, yeah. Were, were you guys a mega church level? How, no, you, how, we were very small. Uh, compared to megachurch. But for Ojai, we were pretty big. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so for Ojai, this little town, we were, we were pretty big, and I was the new hot commodity that came in. And, uh, but this, th- this evolving trend, and I don't use that to, 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 to put somebody else down, like, oh, I was ascending and you're descending, but I'm just saying the way I continued to, to change, we intersected when at a flat line, maybe, and, but they didn't realize, and I didn't either, it's not their fault or my fault that I was on a trajectory that was heading in a different direction. Uh, so it was, a, it was a sweet moment, a sweet honeymoon moment. But then I began to challenge because now I was really getting into education. I was reading outside of the box. And I was like going, oh my God, I didn't know that. And, and, I, and I'm a researcher, so I looked this stuff up. I'm like, oh my God. Then That was completely wrong what I was thinking. They pulled the wool over my eyes on that one. And I met a guy that came to our, our church. His name was uh, Bill Rhodes. And this guy had, uh, he, he had multiple degrees in, in uh, theology and was going for his PhD when he was living in Jerusalem with his wife and his kids. Uh, brilliant man. He would read his Bible in the original Hebrew and Greek. He could do that. How different were they? Well, that's the whole thing. He started... I started to learn from him just in our in our initial introduction. Like I like really I don't know a damn thing about what I'm talking about. You know you don't, you don't understand what's lost in translation I can only if imagine. you don't understand the original yeah, languages. Yeah, of course. And we're building whole doctrines on stuff that we really don't even understand. Yeah. What we're talking about here, and we don't we don't understand the the context of, of Judaism in the Second Temple time period. Mm-hmm. We don't even know what these. We're we're thinking it's English that Jesus was speaking English. Yeah. It didn't work that way. And he was brilliant. And he had a think tank. He belonged to a think tank while studying in Israel that was phenomenal. And he had his own kind of deconstruction through that. And I got uh, started to get educated and immerse myself. I started going to Israel, studying there. Really went like, oh my God, I'm embarrassed. I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I've just been regurgitating the spoon-fed stuff. So I had to kind of begin to start over. But the most amazing thing about this friend of mine, Bill, is that he came to that conclusion. And one day, while he was working for his PhD, he picked up a hitchhiker in, in, in Israel and this kid was from the UK, and he was studying medicine, but he was also a believer. He was a Christian, uh-huh. a lover of Jesus. And Bill was like, what? what? What are you doing? Why don't you go into theology? What are you doing medicine for? And he goes, I just feel like, you know, Jesus is calling me to be an instrument of healing in some small corner of the world that's going unnoticed. Uh-huh. And he dropped that kid off, came home and told his wife, I'm going to become a doctor. 
Wow. <laughs> like all the stuff I'm right. doing right now yeah, 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 is yeah. a waste of time. Right. Yeah. Let's do some I'm actual not good. making yeah. the world any yeah. better. Yeah. And that was a long, arduous journey. He came back to the States with his wife, his kids. He went to Colorado University. Ultimately, grueling, got his uh, biology degree there, began to submit himself to med schools, was rejected because his grades were too low. <laughs> uh, finally, uh, the, the guy at Old Miss uh, School of Medicine there told him, like, look, Bill, if you want to do this, you're going to have to take everything all over again and pull straight A's. He did it, and he got accepted to Old Miss and became a doctor, and then became part of a mission agency that was going to go to Africa, so they wanted to, to go mm-hmm. to the poorest of the poor, and he learned Swahili. They're prepping for that, and then all of a sudden, the agency's like, oh, look, I know this sounds crazy. Doctors are awesome in the third world, we're dying for surgeons. That would be like another four-year study. Would be you right be, back. Yeah, be right back. So he does it. Right. He comes back a surgeon. He's in his 40s now. Yeah. And then, you know, he's at my church raising funds for like $40,000 support so he can go to Africa yeah. and live there. And he's been there ever since. He's been there for a couple of decades. Is he one of the Doctors Without Borders guys? Because He's like that. But what he's, a grand institution. I mean, all those guys. Exactly. That's even better because it's, it's non- sectarian it's you know he he was with a religious institution but he's not doing it for the religion he's doing it because of what religion did to him what his love for jesus and what jesus example to him meant heal. i got to make the world a better place right yeah. right, right right jesus is a healer yeah. i'm going to try to heal people yeah. and that's what that's what he does tenaciously relentlessly that inspired me man of course you inspire me right now your energy I just if, like, if, god if, what if all these fundamentalists would follow jesus instead of their hate-filled book so there i i find jesus outside of the church but now i'm in the church and i'm going through this deconstruction and in the defense of everybody there like i said they didn't ask for it i didn't either and and they could have fired me anytime i invited that many times but i had this which wasn't good about this 50 50 split always Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so any given sunday 49 percent of the people wanted to burn me of course 51 percent might have gone like i think he made some good points you know so kind of where the methodists have ended up (laughs) exactly it's going on today it's uh, it's happening this minute so i began to open the church up and blow out new ideas i mean i like women weren't allowed to serve or be in any leadership positions in the church i blew it off I made it an egalitarian church. I gave women full equality. They could serve, serve on the board, everything else. Well, for some people, that was like, that's fantastic. Yeah. Others were like, fucking kill this guy. Yeah, Who yeah, is yeah. he? Of I course. can't imagine yeah. what, it, what was 10 minutes yeah. after you let that loose. Yes, like. exactly. Or then like just opening the church, not just allowing, but affirming the LGBTQ community in our church. Like, I remember I, I this big guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but he was a big big biker dude and he was military ex-military too and he was he was just as built like a bull and uh he he was such a great guy he was doing everything in the church was coming to everything always serving and then one day we're about service the music's going i'm back at the church and you know and all of a sudden i see him he looks like death warmed over i'm like what is going on and he just starts blobbering and crying i'm like come with me so we just like literally go into like the av audio video closet i'm like what is going on man he goes i gotta tell you i gotta tell you i know you i know you're you're gonna hate me and i and i've been a liar and i've been blah 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 and i'm like what what i thought he killed somebody you know like what did you do commit murder he goes i'm gay and i'm like oh jesus man really that's it you fucking kidding me right you're you were scared to tell me that? Why? He goes, well, my partner told me I shouldn't be either. 
He said, if you've said everything about Paul is true, then he's going to be, I'm like, dude, I love you. You know what? Today's communion. We're serving communion. I want you to serve the body communion today. I want you to come out and mm-hmm. feel at your, in, at, you're accepted. And I didn't mention his name, but I just let him know, folks, this place is open. Okay. And okay. So a bunch of people, God, that's what Jesus would do. And a bunch of people like fucking kill this guy. You know, it was like, that was the whole thing. What and do you think the percentages are like in just like your average, some temple, Texas, well, it matters where you're at. Like, what I did find out is Ojai, funny enough, is far more conservative religiously in the Christendom and evangelicalism than I imagined. Because you kind of think of Ojai as this. Sure. Yeah. And it is. It is a very spiritual place. You got lots of. It's a melting Murray. pot. Yeah, yeah. You got a full melting pot. Now, for me, the people who brought me here thought, well, that's what we brought you here to save all those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all course, going to of hell. Course, of course. And now you're, you're breaking bread <laughs> with yeah, them yeah, and yeah, you're inviting yeah. them to church. What's and, going on? I mean, it actually makes sense because if you think about it, like sometimes the times when fundamentalism kicks in the hardest is at a time when the culture is going very much the other way. And so you have it as a reaction. So it's not surprising that in no. a place like Hawaii, that's not that for the most part you would have that very strongly in opposition in to opposition. what they see every day and run into every day check, and it's, holding it into check or, or absolutely yeah. holding their ground or taking background yeah. for god and yeah, jesus yeah, and yeah, all that yeah. so uh so i wasn't doing this purposely but it was it was a meat grinder uh and then i had a friend a sweet gal uh, Amy, she had moved from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and she's like, God, you remind me of my pastor there. His name's Rob Bell. Have you heard of him? I'm like, no, I don't I don't know who that is. She goes, you should listen to his podcast. He has a big church called Mars Hill. So I started listening to Rob and Mars Hill, and I'm like, oh my God, he's going through the same thing, yeah. except magnitude of multiples. He's had 15,000 people yeah. there, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And he... Uh, but he's... And I'm listening to his, his sermons, and we're like so alike... And it was, but it was so comforting to me to know somebody else, because you kind of feel alone. It's going through imagine. this thing, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it was hard on my family, you know. People in in Christendom, man. If you're, you may have saved their marriage. You may have baptized their kids. You have made have been there at four in the morning when car accident happened and you've been with these people through everything and you really love them and you really feel like your 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 family and then all of a sudden they say. I heard you don't believe in hell. No, I don't. We're and done. they ghost you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. gone. Right. You are dead to them. Yeah. You are literally shunned. You, you, they see you in the supermarket. They turn. They walk the other way. Right. You wow. know. And and then you start hearing the rumors like Paul is the a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's the pied piper to hell. He's leading <laughs> people into eternal perdition. He's a false teacher, a false prophet. Jesus. This is the whole thing that was going around me. Uh, in the Christian community here in, in Ohio. It's just like, yeah. wow, he's the divorce pastor. Why? Because if some woman's being abused by her shithead husband, I'm like, get out of the marriage. Yeah. yeah. Get out of there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this this one couple, they were just brutally assaulting each other. And they were like big Christian leaders. They were just m- massacring each other in, in counseling with me. And one day I asked them, why are you guys together? Well, because of Jesus. And I'm like, do you think you're doing yeah. him some kind of favor? Favor, right. Like, man, yeah. split the sheets, get on with your lives. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then, for the first time in all the counseling sessions, they agreed. I saw them agree on something. Hating you. You, yes. me, you <laughs> are. What kind of pastor are you? What kind of. I'm, like, I'm just telling you, man, life is short. You need to get on with your life, you know? Yeah. So it was that kind of, kind of crap. But we had a big church split, and that was good. I mean, a whole bunch of people left, and they went with another pastor from my staff, and that was fine. Uh, it got small. But I was also. I, I was. I was I had this cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Like being paid to do this job was really weird. Um I didn't like being paid to be a pastor. Uh and how I how I reconciled that or rationalize it if you want is ultimately in in my school of training and thought as the pastor I had one job. Study 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 pray 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 prepare the message give it on Sunday. What about the Learjet? Well, I could have had that. I could have gone in that direction. I was good enough. But see, I had to keep fucking yeah, it up all the time, right? You know, I had to. If I could have just stayed with the three points in a poem, yeah. you know, I would have been amazing. Yeah. I could have gone up the echelon of evangelicalism. I was geared for it, but I just couldn't do it because it wasn't me. And I just couldn't keep my mouth shut. I would have found you terrifying to me. Oh, God, ago. yeah. I mean, well, when you talk about what it was about, uh, about the the, the the American exceptionalism. Uh, what about, you know, and I'm talking about things like, yeah, you know what? We need to really look at Manifest Destiny because that's a bunch of crap. Did you see what we did? Right. We annihilated yeah. genocide of an entire people group in the well, name we of have Jesus. A yeah. Better Sarah yeah. statue down there. I was so. questioning nuclear proliferation and bringing up the fact, you know, like, of, uh, yeah, I get war, but dude. Uh, have we lost our imagination? I think Jesus, you know, yeah. gives us a third path maybe to consider in any situation, you know? And but this this stuff was either, you know, oh God, I took the flags off of the of the of the stage. Like I can't have the US flag up here. Yeah. yeah I can't yeah. do that. Right. It has what I'm doing has nothing to do with that as a as a religious leader. Well, that was you can imagine that. You know, the flag went down, you know. So it was it was not fun. It was it was pretty brutal. But we had a pocket left and some really good people. And and those people I'm not saying the other people weren't sure. Sure, sure, they sure, were just, sure. We were just different. We're just, um, were... Well, okay, so however, there is to me a fundamental difference that's pretty serious. Even when serious, it comes yeah. to good people. Mm-hmm. To me it's like you can be, you know, bring cookies to your neighbors and help them change a tire when you find them stranded on the street. And I appreciate that. Regardless, it doesn't matter what your beliefs are or anything, that's fantastic. However, if one is, I'll help you change your tire and bake you cookies, and I give you a pat on the back, and whether I agree with your choices or not, they are your choices, and that's fine. I'll let you live with it. That's a very different attitude from, I change your tire and uh, bake you cookies, but unless you come to see the world the exact same way I do, then you're really part of the enemy. And I'm either trying to save you because I love you, but not for who you are I love you for you need to become something else for me to keep loving you or I fucking hate you because you are you are a devil minion whether you know it or not well you, you gave me a gentle correction and really it just goes back to the tendencies right yeah because it just kind of flashed up because I am at at the end of the day I'm a peacemaker I'm a bridge builder. I want everybody to get along I get it you know what I mean I but agree. what you say is absolutely true because I was on that receiving end I fucking hate you. Right. You're the devil, yeah. you know? So it... Hard, and, to be, and, and, hard to be friends and hard to make, create peace with somebody oh, who's flat I, out. And, and I saw the hypocrisy, yeah. you know? I, I mean, the things I knew as a pastor 
in confidentiality behind closed doors. Oh, yeah, of course. And I could never reveal or talk sure. about. So, no. you know, I got somebody at the elder meeting, you know, screaming at the elders how they need to fire me because my theology's wrong when I know he's fucking his kid. Right. You know? And, oh. and yeah, and that's, that, that's going on. Right. And, and, and you're saying, well, you need to call the authority. Oh, yeah, I know, that happened. Um, but... My my point being is, is is a lot of times people were judging me and I'm sure. like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you. Yeah. I know what you're about. Yeah. You're getting mad at me because I'm not sending enough people to hell. Right. And you're just cooking hell up in your own household. Wow. And I'm just like, wow. So that really just ate at me. Uh but I I I, I didn't come through it unscathed. It's psychologically damaging. Uh but 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 we got to a better pocket. Uh, and that's when I had the next best idea, <laughs> which is let's sell the church. <laughs> you have this big campus. And I go, this yeah. is bullshit. It's not, you know, I, like I said, I, I rationalized. I, I do Sunday. I preach messages for free. Sure. It's Monday through Saturday that you're paying me for. And that's where I wasn't like just closeted up doing prayer and prepping for my message for 60 hours a week like a lot of other yeah, fundamentalist yeah. pastors do mm. i was i was in the gutters i was on the streets i was with the people i was i wanted my life to be used to make a difference and heal yeah like my friend and maybe i'm not a surgeon but i'm here to right. heal and serve and that's what you're paying me to do and i'm doing that for those that are living on the margins those that can't afford counseling can't go to psychiatrists can't get good medicine can't you know yeah. that that's who i'm advocating for and you know ironically i look back to it i'm like oh god that's that's what jesus was doing oh god yeah. that's so funny I, I ended up in that direction but rob goes through the same deconstruction he becomes a best, he's a New York Times best-selling author. He wrote a book called Love's Wins. It was like, people, like I said, loved it or hated it. Wanted to, New York Times bestseller. Uh, it, it touched and helped so many people going through the same deconstruction I was going through. And it also made him a target. Of course. And ultimately, it, he couldn't do it anymore. He fell apart. He stepped away. He stepped down from the church. Stepped away from Christianity. Ironically, he ended up in Southern California, mm -hmm. I heard about that. And then I heard he was doing little gatherings. And I remember I'm going to one of those and I went to one. It was just a bunch of, bunch of people, guys, gals, who were going through this deconstruction. It was taking place on Laguna Beach. And it was awesome because I met all these people who were going through the same crap I was going through. And I didn't know that existed. And then others from like other denominations that were like more liberal, let me put it that way, or progressive, they were going like, what? They did what to you? I go, I was on a heresy trial three times. One of them was public. I had right. a church full of people screaming at me of that course. I'm the devil because somebody thought that was a good idea to put Paul on a public heresy trial. This is the kind of stuff that I, that, that I was like, wow. But Rob, so we meet at that meeting and we become friends, like literally immediately. Yeah. And we've been friends ever since. In fact, now we're neighbors. You know, he, he came to Ojai, fell in love with Ojai. Now he's my neighbor. You know, we see each other like every week all the time. And, uh, and he has left Christendom behind. Not Jesus. Sure. But Christendom. Christianity. Institutional Christianity. Fundamental, evangelical, whatever you want to call it. It's just, it's gone. And he is going through his own healing path, even as I've been going through my healing path. But my healing path has always been drawn and motivated 
by the Jesus that I knew in the 60s right. and that I came to be reintroduced to. Help people. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I don't even know if I have, I'm an agnostic today in the truest definition of the word in that I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've been at death's door with more people as they're taking their last breaths. And I'm, all I do know is there, the last thing they need to hear is, have you confessed your sins? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Are you, what a fucking terrifying thing, right? Say goodbye. All I'm saying is like, listen, I love you. I'm right behind you. See on the other side. I'm joining you. Yep. I don't know what's coming. I'm hoping it's better. And if it's not, I'm going to punch it in the nose. Okay. (laughs) Cause that's what I'm doing here. So my life shifted, sold the church. Everybody was like, this is a great idea because we didn't need it. We got, you know, seven figures. We put it into a, you know, a trust. And now we had this fun self-perpetuating that was going to fuel us to do what I love to do. I'll preach for free on Sundays, but in the meantime, let me help those prevent those from going homeless. I talked to you about that. Like our church started doing micro loans and starting helping people with the first and last because they'd lose their place. Uh, and look for somewhere else to rent, and they've been paying their rent for seven years, but now they have to come up with a first, last, and security deposit. Yeah. Might as well jump to the moon. Yeah. Can't do it. Can't They're do living it. in their car. So I'm like, no, nah, I got your, I got your right. first, last covered. Let's get you in a house. You what know? are we going to call this? I don't know. It was, it was kind of like, you know, kind of that. Well, I'm signing up, so. Yeah. It, it was a beautiful thing. It was really good. Then COVID hit. And in the meantime, the political climate in America had shifted radically uh, with, with the advent of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And listen, I, uh, in many ways, uh, through different seasons in my life, I've been very conservative. Uh, but generally speaking, I'm down the middle of the road. So I can, I, can, I can break bread and talk to you about certain things. And we may disagree, but I'm hoping we can find some common ground to do good and make good in the world, right? You know, you may be like, I'm all pro Second Amendment. I can say like, you know what? I can see that. But what can we do to make gun laws make sense? Yeah, yeah, sure. Make sure. Yeah. Of course. Uh, I'm I'm pro-life. I don't want abortion. I get that. Okay. So, and I can't always have some, maybe it gets outlawed. But what can we do to support the living already? You know, what do we do? Yeah. Wait, we don't want to give poor kids meals at church. I mean, at school, we don't want to you know, fund yeah, 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 poor yeah, kids yeah. getting meals, right. but we want to be pro-life. Yeah. I mean, that's incongruent. Absolutely. So at least yeah. find things that we can agree sure, on. Sure, sure, Move forward. It's never been about not being able to have a dialogue, but what I saw in Trump was uniquely just something grotesque as a person, as a human being. And, 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 and I saw this, this rise, of just this ugly rise uh, of what bigotry, racism uh the xenophobia the homophobia the all these things that i thought man i thought we'd really progressed somewhere all of a sudden it was going backwards and the evangelical church community in the hip pocket yep and that's what i'm I'm done i i don't even identify as a christian anymore and then you can talk about jesus yeah i love to talk about jesus uh i can't be a pastor anymore i can't do this anymore I can't identify as that person anymore. Uh, so uh, I retired. I'm out, though. Let me throw something, throw something. wild there. Um, I understand completely. I can totally agree with everything you said. You don't have to. However, <laughs> <laughs> it is a thought, though. Maybe 
the idea of even the term something like Christianity or when you say, you know, being a Christian or identify as Christian or something for somebody like you, for whom this has been a huge part of your life. And it still is, years I mean, you yeah. still, whether regardless of what yeah. label you attach, what you do as an action, what you take action for the way you go after helping people, this and that it is part of that same path. I mean, in yeah. that sense, there is no break with that. No. I'm still so, Pastor Paul to so many in the right. community. That's who I am. That's who I'll always be. So in I, a good way for a lot of right. people too. And in that sense, though, is like, is it, and I'm asking it, I don't know the answer to this, okay? But like, is it a good idea to concede the terrain and allow that Christianity means the other side of Christianity, the hardcore judgmental, everybody who's not with us is going to hell, or should there be somewhat of a, I hate to use the term battle because I don't see it in such adversarial sense, but there is a bit of a game there played where not seeding territory, not making Christianity the monopoly of crazy fanatics, but maybe offering a different side of Christianity that it's not any less Christian than the other. For all intents and purposes, it may be 10 times more Christian than the other. Why not? Absolutely. And it's happening. I'm, I'm so privileged and grateful for the so many friends uh, I know that have chosen that path and are, would identify it. Like, no, I am a, I am a Christian. Right. And I would be like, yeah, you're the best kind. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. So I get, they I get that. For, sure. for me, certainly, the. Uh, the way the, what I say is still rooted in woundedness, right? I mean, right. I'm still like, you know, of course. Um, <laughs> but that's where I could I, I leave the room like Jesus. I want to talk about Jesus. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That it makes you yeah. makes me a Christian to you. Yeah, because I love Jesus and I, I still think that the, the the teachings of Jesus are meaningful, uh, uh, if at least reduced to those important ones. Because we don't really know what Jesus said of course, or of didn't course, say. Of course. We don't know that. Everybody wants to act like yeah. the Bible is the word of God. We don't know. Right. They're just stories. But yeah. we can look at the forensic evidence. And yeah. We can look at circumstantial evidences. And we can study it like we would anything in history, right? And come away with some probabilities that, yeah, Jesus did this or said this and, and started this. And this is why we're talking about him 2,000 years later. Yeah. Uh, that I can do. So I guess... Th it's better to clarify I don't identify as an institutional Christian. 100% but that's I think is my point yeah. is what about because as you're saying there is a religious political many different sides there is a battle going on between uh, some world views that are just flat out spreading a mountain of hate and yeah. doing terrible damage to human beings on every possible level including to good human beings because yeah. as you said you knew plenty of people were good people yeah. but they got sucked into some really hateful field stuff oh, I, I did i was a hateful person I so i guess that is my thing is like why not not concede that Christianity is their thing and instead pushing something that uh, I don't want to mean make it like oh this is the real Christianity because as you say the real is a big concept but you know it's like this is what we believe Christianity to be how Christianity can be a force of good all this other stuff that we're talking about look at the outcome if the outcome is judging everybody telling them they are going to hell uh passing laws to forbid whatever that doesn't seem like the healthiest possible path and not only that but it doesn't square off with any 
of the stuff uh, attributed to Jesus in the Gospels. I, I would agree with you. So I, in, and, 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 and you know, I'm glad to say that like, like there, 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 is, there are so many people. Uh, and I'd say Brennan Manning was one of those uh-huh. guys. Yeah. Right? He never not identified really as, as a follower of Jesus sure. and even a Christian. He didn't identify as a Catholic. Yeah. And, and, and I, but I see what we call uh, this, this very powerful stream of progressives, progressive Christians that, that uh, stick to the beauty. Even right. the tradition, right. even even seeing in certain traditions, like it's the tradition is okay. It's okay to celebrate Christmas. Sure, it's okay. Sure, sure, sure. It's okay. To, listen, I love to read the Bible as as a uh, as a, as a anthropological, sociological, historical collection of writings of ancient peoples wrestling with life yeah, yeah, and trying course. to figure out what the hell is out there. Including some hot porn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, it's amazing stuff. I mean, it really is. I love that stuff. I love to talk about the Bible. I love to read it. I love to put it in context. I love to see the allegory. I love to see uh, the mythology in Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Because there's so many... A truth is a truth. Whether the story is true or not doesn't even matter. Yeah. If what the story is talking about is an elemental truth for your life, then you can walk away from that. And that's where I look at the Bible and I see... In the midst of a lot of conservatives, you want to say, or fundamentalists, maybe, writers in the Bible, you see the progressives too. So somewhere along the line, when somebody's saying we should stone the homosexual, somebody else is saying, uh, how about we take care of the orphan and the widow? Right. Mm -hmm. And how about we tell wealthy landowners that they can't take their whole crop? They need to leave the entire circumference of the crop there for the poor people to pluck for food. I'm Is like, that where gleaning came from? Gleaning, yeah. yeah. That's like that's radical. Yes. Right, right, right. I, so we it, should do that today. Yeah. If we go far back enough, we could even say somewhere. I mean, my my wife is watching uh, this show with my daughter called I think it's called I don't something about Vikings, and they just they just come over to yep. to, yeah, to Ireland and and to the to the islands and they just rape, pillage, murder, destroy monasteries and everything else, um, and Kathy's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, oh yeah, you know. I mean, that's 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 the way it is in many times of history. Sure. It's like you got a bunch of shit I want. Sure, I just sure, go sure. over there and kill of you. Course. And then the Bible comes up with this like commandment: don't commit murder. We're, we take that for granted. We think that that makes sense. But you have to see that was revolutionary sure, at one sure, point. Sure. Like, what? Why not? No, you just shouldn't do that. But that's why I think like <laughs> you shouldn't just go kill them and take their stuff. You, you shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. What about the neighbor's wife? Then? Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, but exactly what you said, you know, I'm not an institutional Christian. I think making that, because I think, okay, here is the reason why I make a big deal out of it. The fact is the term Christianity, there's an emotional attachment that there are billions of people around the world that are not going to give up on that. And if you say, well, I'm not going there, then it's like door is closed. There's nothing left to- And they're just not listening anymore. No. Whereas if one makes the argument that very much can be made- is institutional Christianity is a perversion yeah. of what the Jesus message is. And, and that's, if you, that's, that's historical. Right, exactly. I mean, I can literally take you first century, second century, third century, Constantine, fourth century councils, fifth yeah, century, yeah, sixth century, Reformation. I can go right through it. But, well, and that's why to me it's like somebody, somebody uh, <laughs> going in a direction of... Uh, you want Christianity, great. 
here you go. Here is the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, here beautiful. is this idea. Here is this other idea. This is the heart of Christianity. Yeah. All the other shit that you thought was Christianity is some fundamentalist perversion that leads to the exact opposite consequence. Yes. So to me, in that regard, it's like I'm really interested in people who, um, who sort of want to take back even the term of Christianity from people who ultimately hijacked it right. for centuries. Hijacked That's how it. many people feel yeah. hijacked. I think, see, and, 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 and there's two audiences there, and it's so true, right? And, and like I said, you've done a gentle, worthy correction. Um, and part of what I was even opening up with, that I'm not misunderstood uh, in, in certain terminologies, whether it's cult or mm-hmm. don't identify as a Christian. Sure. But I follow Jesus. Oh, what does that make you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. That's that's yeah. that's legit. Um, or can we take something that was hijacked? Uh, and, and that's true of anything, right? I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what happened to the Re- Republican Party, but somewhere it got hijacked mm-hmm. because it wasn't that long ago that it was not what it is today. Sure. It was a completely different yep. group of of conservatives than whatever you want to call what's happening today. And and I think it's it, and it's and it's worthy and the and 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 I can I can throw my my uh my lot in with those that are keeping right. a beautiful faith centered on Jesus and centered on those on those values. Even if we're just making it up. Some things are really worth making up if they're good. But I don't care. Absolutely, I can, I can, I can get down with that. But so also, the, exactly, you don't because ultimately, again, <clears throat> nobody knows the actual truth right. of any of this stuff in terms of what really happened. What, but if you take like at the heart of it, Sermon on the Mount, here is Christianity, and then a uh, woman about to be stoned for adultery. No, there's that like ultimate badass Jesus moment of stepping in between a crowd that's legally about to stone this woman, going by the book according to what the laws say, and him saying, what the fuck, are you guys crazy? This is not the way. And to me, it's like, it's a fantastic story. And so to me, it's like, there's so much ammunition for keeping a heart of Christianity, which people, I mean, I'm not Christian, but like I can, 100% 100% respect somebody who goes by that, right? Yeah. It's like, you believe in that stuff? Do you think I have one millimeter in which I disagree? Hell no. It's fantastic, you know? So to me, like for people who have that attachment to the term, to the idea yeah. of Christianity, offering them another view that's not like shy or kind of like, no. well, kind of, we no, it's like these other guys have hijacked the beautiful thing and turned it into a horrible thing. Right. Let's bring it to a place that's that ultimately makes the world a better place and spread uh, love rather than hate around it. Yeah, it's so funny you you say that and like you know my mind starts spinning off like God maybe I should start a church, not to be paid, right? But just a gathering of people to mm-hmm. talk around Jesus. Well, let's talk about Sunday scriptures. assembly. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. a lot of folks do in LA now. It's yeah, like they say do good without God, but I mean you are. I've I've wanted to start the barn raisers for ten years now. That's yeah. that's the America I believe in. Yeah, you know yeah. everybody's invited. Yeah, when you have troubles, we're there to help you, and we're not gonna. And whose business is what you do in your house if you're not hurting anybody? And that's the good, right? Yeah. What is that? Sam and Frodo and two towers were twins. In in, in, in they, he has that speech with him at the end about yep. like how we cling and we 
we have something to, to, to hang on exactly, to. And what, what, what is yeah. it? What, what is it that we're clinging to that there's good in the world and it's worth fighting for? And there is. Yes. Look at this. Funny that you mentioned because it's actually, I'm in the mid, I've finished all my extended version, The Hobbit. I'm halfway through extended version, Lord of the Rings, with my winter ritual. And tonight no I'm going to get to that speech. <laughs> Dude, that speech I'm, is, right. I mean, come on, that's I'm just in the gold. second half of the it's two towers. I, so I got goosebumps. My hair is standing right now. It's fantastic. Just like, it's so fantastic. And it so resonates with me. And that, in that sense, so that's where the shift happened to me in, in the sense that I, I left formal Christianity. And yet I feel like maybe in some ways I'm more Christian than ever before. Because right now, all I try to focus on is doing good. Exactly. That's all I try to exactly. do. Exactly. And I've done that in different venues, in different veins. I've tried different things. For one year, I was teaching at uh, an elementary school uh, in, in Carpinteria, and I got to teach... Uh, uh, I got to do like it was it was really a mentoring program through sports and through competition uh, with with a purpose, teaching values and delayed gratification and how to honor and cheer each other on and those kind of things. So ethics and values through sports yeah. with these little kids. I, I I couldn't believe it, man. I mean I loved it so much. Yep. And yeah. every day I was intentional. I mean, I walked into that campus like this is a sacred place, oh. and I've got this opportunity. And I saw all these people in a in a realm I'd never been before. I mean, as a student, I was there, but I saw these teachers, mm-hmm. and I saw how they Who worked their asses. Oh off. my God! What, I was just inspired, yeah. and I wasn't there just for the kids. I was there for the teachers to tell them how awesome they mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And then I spent a year working with the profoundly disabled, um, intellectually disabled. Right, so. I'm, I'm working with, with people that are so incapacitated that I'm changing their diapers and I'm feeding them and uh, they're, they're nonverbal and they can be aggressive and they can, but I'm looking at these people like, man, you, I don't know what's behind the cosmos, but you got the shittiest hand deal yeah. sh- dealt to you. Of course. No happy. choice of your own. You yeah. were just thrust yeah. into it. Yeah. You had no choice about this. There's no free will about no. this. You just... We're thrust into this, and I don't know what's behind that, but this is my way of punching it in the nose. Yep. By, by honoring you, mm-hmm. showing you love, compassion, by taking your punches, knowing that it's not you. Yeah. It's not nothing to do with you. It's just... It's how it ended up. The cards it's that how you the cards got, that you got. Yes, yeah. of course. And, and I do that with people on the streets, you know, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm always distributing food and, and clothes and sleeping bags and tarps and blankets and uh you know for a lot of the work i do on the streets which is just ground level just me walking around yeah. in a park with blankets and whatever um i see these people and oh it's easy to you know to put the the homeless in a in a big whoa. you know and i've seen basically two two types of situations right so i have homeless people that i meet and help and aid who literally have just had the big slide. They just lost their house. They're living in their car. Yep. That, their that car. led yep. to you know a yep. ticket, to not being able to pay it, to being late for work, getting fired from work, and they just have yep. or yep. big medical bills. That, the, and they're just, yep. you know, and they're, they, it, a landslide just hit them. It's yep. just like an earthquake. Yep. It's nobody nobody's fault. It just happens. So there's that. And then I see a whole bunch of others that are steeped in addiction and mental illness. Yep. And what comes first? The chicken or right, the right, egg, right? Because like, so often yeah. it is mental health issues that are not being addressed and, that and cared for in this to, country. Of course, of course. By Ronald Reagan? Yeah, yeah by yeah. the pro-lifers. Yes. Right. You know? Yeah. There's oh, yeah. no... I, I'm, I'm, I'm working with that constantly on the streets, seeing the mental health yep. Yep. Uh, crisis in America, which is really a homeless crisis and often exacerbated because of that, uh, 
just by trying to numb and put the pain away or, yep. you know, with, with, with drugs. And, uh, so it's, and, and, and I can't, I can't fix it all, but I can hand somebody a brand new sleeping bag and well, see them like they're mind blown. Like why? Oh, I just, nice pair of could socks. you use this? Yeah. yeah. And I think that is fantastic. Yeah. There is no substitute for that. Like direct action that has immediate impact on a small level. Fantastic. And I think the other thing that we are going about the Christianity as a whole that interests me is like I'm picture your case way back in the day of just you're looking for purpose, you're looking for community, yeah. you're looking for this. Finding it Imagine if uh, back when it happened, you found it in a super healthy, loving version of Christianity yeah, yeah, versus yeah. the kind of yeah, Christianity yeah, you got. Wow, you said a mouthful there. Talk about it. And so that's kind of what I'm thinking is like my wish is uh, is to have that out there yeah. in as many places as possible where people who are looking for meaning, looking for community, they are attached to the idea of Christianity. They find under a Christian label, that version, yeah. rather than the other way around. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, we're talking about Christianity now. It applies to anything. You know, it can be Islam. It can be whatever the it hell. It can you be know? anything. It's like uh, the pleasant version of Islam, of the nice Muslim lady where version of being Muslim is being kind to her neighbor is pretty damn different from Osama bin Laden version of right. Islam. And so I'm like... If you are gonna be Muslim, I would like you to be like that lady. Right. If you are gonna be Christian, I'd like you to be like that. And you know, if all the people, whatever labels they attach, they fall on that side of the mm. spectrum, which is ultimately helping people be nice, trying to do kind acts. That's a gigantic difference in the world. Absolutely, humanist. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a great word too. Uh, in in that sense, religions aside, finding yourself as a human being. Yeah. And, and part of one community of human beings, right? Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, everybody knows the John Lennon song, Imagine, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember as a yeah, fundamentalist, I used to hate that song. Oh, my God. That guy needs to go to hell. He yeah, needs to be. what he's saying. Yeah. How dare you? But, you know, and then I was playing it in church, like, this is the most beautiful song, right? right. And, like, the same response, like, yeah, and but what's he doing? Kill that guy. Kill that guy. You know? Yes. But if you listen to the song, you're just like, wait, who doesn't want this? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And 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 I, yeah, I don't know about heaven above or hell below, but I know here on earth there's can be heaven made or hell made, and 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 that's what we want to be out and about and after. If we're not here to help each other, what the hell are we here for? Yeah, I don't, I don't have any other purpose. So that that if if Christianity ever had, uh an impact upon me it was through jesus and through jesus and through my journey molding me into the person i am today which is a person that has a singular goal while he has breath and is around and that's to make the world a little better make anyone i encounter life a little bit better i don't care today i went to mcdonald's and i got a happy meal okay <laughs> i'm telling you i can still see the kid's face and the chit chat i had with him and him handing me the Happy Meal through the meal because I was intentionally trying to connect with you uh -huh. as a human being, you know? And and he, and he you know, it doesn't take much. And you could see this guy was like, hey, you know, yep. we're like laughing, taking, yep. telling yep. a couple of jokes. He made my day, I made his, and you go on. It can be that simple. Uh -huh. It can be that simple. Yep. Or it can be big. It can be, you can knock on my door in the middle of the night. You can call me. You know, I'll be there if, if the disaster hits. And so, 
but that's that's what I, I, I live to do. I, I don't have anything to be certain about in the in the hereafter, uh, but I, I am certain about a lot of things on the here and now. And that, and that is that I can, I can be a better version of myself, strive, listen, continue to learn, continue to go like, oh, I can, I can rethink that. Or I can, I can go in this, in this tangent. And that's what my faith means to me today. And who knows what it means tomorrow? I mean, like I said, I was a school teacher. I worked with the developmentally disabled. Um, maybe down the road, I'll be some kind of <laughs> Christian. I don't know. We'll, we'll, well, we'll see. Considering that in that regard, considering that we had uh, a poll fucking up Christianity yeah. way back when, yeah. Yeah. it would be nice to have a poll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and Paul really is, I, you know, I might have yeah. said that in the in previous, you know, the, the, the real founder of Christianity it's is the Paul, Apostle of course, Paul. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's where it takes a divergent path. Yep. And there's really good reasons for it. If you study it historically, sociologically, anthropologically, there's it really a lot of that makes so much sense. Uh, but you have to know the story. Yeah, of course. And, and everybody has a story. If you look at Constantine's impact, I mean, you got an empire that all of a sudden adopted this faith that it had persecuted and made it the state faith and then decided to make the Bible, like, come on in here. Yeah, you know? yeah of course. And <clears throat> you got all these bishops voting upon it yeah, and deciding yeah, what's yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course of yeah course. there's there's you know thousands of bishops but only a handful only a, a few hundred showed up yeah, yeah. to the invitation because of course hey hitler's inviting us over to yeah you know to write for a little get together they're like no <laughs> maybe no, not <laughs> no yeah. no it's true hitler's turned uh, he's turned the coin he's he's got a, he's the flip side now he's got yeah, yeah i'm suspicious Thursday, isn't it? I just, yeah. it's it was just work. it just it was just a fraction of those who were considered christian leaders which was probably in itself only a fraction of what was recognized of what was the reality that got together in nicaea and sat down and 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 knocked out what would be ultimately the doctrine yeah. and what was in the bible and what was out of the bible doesn't mean that all that stuff in there isn't valuable and we're studying sure, sure. it really is some stuff it is really great is. even right. the processes we're studying but understanding that holding like oh not creating a god out of a book because mm-hmm. God is not in the book uh, they always say the word the word the word but then the, the Bible says the word is Jesus <laughs> so that's a human being and let's look at him and the way he lives his life so that's that's where I went and, and I look at my legacy in my 23 years here as ending up with having done a lot of good through for, for at whatever stage I was I was at least progressing towards doing more and more good. I think the ultimate good I ever did was selling the church building. <laughs> and, and now that money's there to be used to help people. That to me is just like, I mean, hey, didn't Jesus say, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me? Yeah, literally. Yeah, yes, okay, let's course. do that. Yeah. We did that. So, um, and, and that's, a, that, that, that's a great thing. And I, I look, look at what I did from Monday to Saturday, which was you know, helping prevent people not just helping people on the streets that are homeless, but we help prevent a lot of people from becoming homeless. We use our resources to really make a difference in people's lives, whether it was the elderly, whether it was food, whether it was medicine, whether it was housing, all those kind of things. Uh, and we built a community uh, before the COVID hit 
that was really pretty cool because we would have all kinds of people come. And this was the beauty of it. It was a, it was a beautiful thing yeah. be- be- before I just mentally got exhausted. And I mentally did get exhausted. I had a breakdown. Of course. You know, when I saw what, what was happening in the country and, yeah. and then we got COVID and I got isolated. And then, you know, the insurrection takes place on January 6th. And I'm like losing my mind. And I'm watching all these people, including faith leaders, that I used to like, dude, why are you not speaking out about this? This is just, it's not that hard of a call to say this is wrong. Even if you're concerned, whatever. No, but this is not... This is not it anymore. Nope. And and I lost my mind. You know, I really did. I, and so for me, it kind of all fell apart. And I came as an immigrant. My parents were immigrants. I was the first one in my family mm-hmm. born here, but raised in an immigrant family. And um, and to watch what's happened uh, and where the direction we're going in was a was a was a loss. You know, and uh, and and to, so I lost my religion in one sense. Um, lost it to those who kind of hijacked it as right. you said i've lost this country in another way to people that i'm like this is not this is not the america that my parents came not even close at, not even close that, that i loved. would say let's take that and think about what can be done damn i'm down with that i mean that's me right yeah. so i'm gonna do what i do con- continue to do what i do use and and then i'm, I'm in a great great place uh mentally emotionally physically that i wasn't in in 2020 got a lot of help rob helped me a uh, a, th- a therapist who used uh alternative medications right uh helped me tremendously in when i was in the deepest pit of my life and these uh these the, the medicines that were used psilocybin other things that that were used in my therapy were life-changing mm-hmm. for me i mean like life-changing i mean i'm a, I'm a great believer yeah. in that uh it was used again medicinally therapeutically uh, i'm not even saying there's anything wrong recreation recreationally but that wasn't what i was sure. into that sure. wasn't what i was looking for i was looking for my mind to find healing yep. and it found incredible healing and my wife like she just like, we got it we did couples therapy and after everything we'd been through, man, I tell you what, uh, with these sessions that I went through, I was like cutting cans and tying them to the back of my car and soaping just married into the back window. Because we were just like, man, we right. are back online and we have been that. I yeah. mean, we are, we are awesome. still doing that. And that's the way we're living our life. And I have great relationships. Like I say, Rob is a, is a dear friend of mine. And uh, but but it's it's been wonderful. I've been a great place, and uh, and I, I don't say this to blow smoke, but uh, those those serendipities in the universe, our meeting uh-huh. together. You know, I I really a- appreciate you, uh, Danielle. I really love this, and Rich. I mean, I just just to be uh, in this environment, to be honored, uh, to be heard, to have something that maybe God, who knows what, but maybe someday down the road somebody hears this or my kids hear this yep. and just go, oh, that's our dad. Yep. Yeah, that's that's who he was right there. That's that's saved for posterity. Yep. And and that's really meaningful to me. And I believe that we're we're doing the same work. You know, I love I love what you do. I love the intentionality of, of the things that you do with your podcast, uh, with your teachings, with your his, with your history and knowledge, and the stories you tell and share, and the revelations you give us, and with your martial arts, you know I love that and the and the, and the disciplines. So I just want to tell you it's a great honor to be with you guys, and um, 
I'm looking forward to doing more good things, and I'm looking forward to conspiring with you. Let's do that. And you know what? You teach me a lot, man, and I, and I, I want to be a student my whole life, and I appreciate your, your input. Punto. Beautiful. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome, as always. This is great. I mean that, too. music means one thing that's the end of another fine episode but not just any episode the 250th episode of the drunken house podcast 12 years ago well, that, that just doesn't even seem possible i know it's crazy but then i look at our pictures from 12 years ago Man, and i'm like okay yeah uh, that changed i was not so great back then <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> it's how it goes it's part of the deal it's a short trip yeah i just turned 50 Jesus Christ. It's just quite so, a one to face, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But once you're over the over the fence, it's like, ah, uh, here I am. Yeah, it's tricky. I've been telling myself I'm 50 for like two years now, trying to convince myself, ah, okay, it's a gradual change. No, when it was real, it's he different, but. No, I, I, I know, because I was in the midst of the COVID, and I was like, if, if I die at 49 and 362 days, I'm going to be so upset. Yeah, yeah, I made yeah. it this far. Yeah, yeah. Let's at least get over Let's the Let's plant the flag. And yes. then you make it, and it's like, and, but it's like everybody now, you know, Gretchen, my sister, her husband, yeah. brother, there. all these people are 50. I don't feel any different. You know what's funny? I find myself, I always used to find myself being the youngest person in the room. <laughs> and now more often than not, I'm the oldest person in the room. And I'm like, oh, how things have changed. Gretchen, I like to joke, when we enter a lot of places sometimes, we literally increase the mean age yeah, just yeah, by yeah. our arrival in here. It's like, of course. The majority of these people are under 30. Yep. yep, yep. It's crazy. Or even all the ones who I think I see them and they're like, ah, they're kind of like me. And they're like 41. I'm like, oh, that's almost a decade younger. That's not kind of like me. It's not even close at all. They nope. have no idea. They yep. have no idea. That's the real kind of crazy thing. You watch them all on their phones and the way they act. And Well, I mean, I mean every decade, right? Like somebody in their 60s is going to look at us and go like, you're a kid. You don't know shit. Somebody Absolutely. in their 70s is going to look at the guy in their 60s. It's, it's how it goes. It's just more of they have no idea what they missed out on. Oh, the, the particular generation. The last of the you analog generation. You have a better view of it than I did. I did not enjoy my life very much in the late 80s, early 90s, and so on. Really? I was like, yeah, I was not. I mean, I mean not because of the. Like, it's already, not, it's not because here? of the technology, because I love the technology. It's just for what it was. Yeah. My life in the late 80s, early 90s uh, was more shit than good. So um, I have less nostalgic memories and I'm more like, yeah, fuck that time. I'm glad I'm not there. Not because, again, there's nothing wrong with the times. It's just my experience yeah, of yeah. the times. Well, that's a bit of a bummer. No, I mean, it is what it, like, you know, it's like, I think actually there's a good side if you want to see a silver line in it, in the sense that external conditions are what they are and of course they're going to impact you and have an effect on you and all of that but really a ton of it deals with your own internal journey you know it's like a time that for you was fantastic i'm like ah oh, fuck that time i was not really in a good space now where people can rightfully point to 10,000 things that are problematic in the world around us i'm like i'm having a blast <laughs> you know and it's not that i don't see them i see them but i'm still you know so it's like there's an element where external reality is obviously very important 
but there's also an element of your own personal journey that uh, and I guess the good thing is that unless you're getting tortured by ISIS your own personal journey you can find spaces for something good even in an external context that may not be the most inspiring yeah it's the melancholia that I see in my kids yeah because yeah. they are they're in kind of a pickle sure it's just the way it is right now and I don't know how to fix it. And that bums me out a bit, too. I get All right, that's enough being bummed out. Uh, Pastor Paul has really inspired me. And uh, let's see what happens. So Beautiful. So we'll get at least another two or three out. <laughs> cool, guys. You have a good day. Would you like to hear a terrible story? Yes, always. One day the road shall teach you. So what have we learned this week? Be calm, be kind, be brave. Yep, words to live by. See you guys. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at RichieMon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo!